Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled working mother who hit snooze until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can follow a nutrition plan that supports their goals, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of their to-do list, and go to bed feeling fantastic about the day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle, and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Carol Perlman, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I have a guest with me today, Dr. Luana Marquez, and we are actually psychologist colleagues. Uh, we go back many, many years, and I'm super excited to bring her on today and share with you the amazing work that she has been doing. So welcome, Luana. Thank you so much, Carol. I'm so excited to be here with you. I was thinking today, we go back to 2005, you were my first supervisor at MS General. So it's really an honor That's to be here. Wild. Yep. We've, we've both traveled a um, winding journey between then and now. And it's really so amazing to see what you've been up to. And I'm really excited to learn more about it and share with my listeners the really amazing work that you're doing. So let's start off. Obviously, you're a psychologist. Um, so tell us a little bit about the work that you've been doing and kind of the area that you're shifting into now. So, you know, my, my career sort of summarizes from like the ivory tower to the streets um, is how I think about it. I grew up poor in Brazil, uh, pursued the American dream, got to the U.S. and became a psychologist at MS General. For many, many years, I did all of the big studies and randomized control trial, but then got frustrated that people like me who are Latino and diverse had no access to really good care. And so for about 10 years, I've been really training paraprofessionals, so individuals with no psychological training whatsoever, basic skills, um, drawing on what's known as cognitive behavior therapy, and teaching them how to learn the skills to regulate themselves, and then um, teaching them to teach those skills to inner city youth. And I got to this inflection point in my career about a year and a half ago um, in the middle of the pandemic that it felt to me like we needed to teach those skills to everyone, that we're all suffering anxiety and depression is in the rise. And, you know, we have 40% of the U.S. population needing mental health care and 0.17% trained to deliver care. And so there's no way we're going to train enough of people like you and I. And so I shift, I'm shifting my career slowly. Um, I'll continue to train paraprofessionals, but really now I'm focusing on bringing this prevention, early intervention idea to as many people as possible in a book that I'll be launching in May. So exciting. And this work is so needed. I mean, those stats are just crazy. And it's really true that there are more and more people needing help and just not enough people to provide it. And I know everyone who's been in that situation of trying to locate a provider knows what we're talking about is that it's just so, so, so difficult. And so you are doing amazing work to try to make these really um, life altering treatments available to the masses. So let's just do a quick 
explanation for people who've been listening to the podcast that hear me talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, but just in case there's anyone who's new, let's just do a quick recap of what that is. Sure. So cognitive behavior therapy is an evidence-based treatment. Fancy words to say we've tested it. We know it works for a lot of people across the globe. And what it means is what we say to ourselves, our thoughts affect how we feel, our emotions, how we feel affects what we do. And for me, it looks like this. This morning, I was actually recording the audio for my book coming up. And as I walk into the studio, my brain was saying things like, your accent's going to show up. You're going to mess up again. You're never going to finish this recording. Those thoughts made me so anxious. My heart started to pound. And I nearly said to my husband, maybe I should reschedule today. I'm feeling a little, just a little tired. And he looked at me. He's like, I think you're avoiding. I, I think you need to go in. And, and so the idea is that no matter who you are, like our brain is always talking and it has an impact on how we feel, what we do and ping pongs. And CBT is awesome because it gives us actual skills to break out those things. And in my case today, I had the privilege of having my husband driving me and say, hey, listen, you need to approach instead of avoid. But that's what we teach people. It's like, listen, thoughts are you know, not facts. Emotions are valid, but they are not the reality of us. And we need to learn to really approach instead of avoid. And that's sort of CBT in a nutshell. Very well said. Yes, indeed. Um, so it's a very powerful treatment, you know, that that to uh, to address things that all of us experience. We all experience those little niggling thoughts that can really have an impact on how we feel and the actions that we take and the overall outcome. So none of us are immune to that. And it's a really powerful treatment. So you have worked in some traditional capacities, as have I, um, you know, in the academic medical setting and providing treatment in a clinical situation. And now you're in more of a teaching training role um, trying to make this treatment more available to to the masses. So tell us about this book that is coming out. So the book is called Bold Moves, a three-step plan to transform anxiety into power. This book is really the mission for this book is that the skills in cognitive behavior therapy is for me what got me out of poverty in Brazil and able to actually get here. And so the premise behind the book is that anxiety is not the problem. Now, I know if you're feeling anxious and you listen to Karen now, you're going to be like, no, no, just get rid of my anxiety. But anxiety itself is not what gets us stuck. It's what we do when we're anxious. And the book talks about a construct called psychological avoidance, which is anything that we do to try to bring our emotions down as fast as we can, but that tends to give, keep us stuck. So for example, you know, you are you are just broke up with somebody, you start dating again, and you have a date tonight, and you start to get anxious, and you just text a cancel. That's psychological avoidance because you cancel that because you're anxious. And what we're teaching our brain is that the only way to manage anxiety, discomfort, burnout, stress is by walking away. And the more we walk away, the worse our anxiety gets. And so the real infection for us is our avoidance. It's what we do when we feel the stress. So the book first helps everyone identify the three R's of avoidance. Some of us react, some of us retreat, some of us remain. Let me give you a brief example of this. Um, re react is when you feel anxious, you go towards that. So you do something. I do this all the time. If I get an email that upsets me, I start to compose an email back fast. I just want to get that distressed away. I want to just get rid of it. That's 
totally reacting. That's avoiding. I'm avoiding my discomfort by responding without thinking, which has gotten me in a lot of trouble. My husband, on the other hand, he retreats. He like opens the email. He starts to think about the email. He ruminates about the email, but he doesn't really do anything about it. Finally, some of us just remain, which is the frozen response. We just get stuck and we're like, I don't know what to do. You just stare at the screen, really paralyzed a little bit. And so my hope is that everybody can identify their flavor avoidance. And then the book goes on to talk about three specific skills to help you break free from avoidance, which are shift, approach, and align. Okay, so let's get into that. So, well, let me just say one thing about avoidance. So it's so true that we are wired to protect ourselves and our brains are really great at that. So our brains are saying, oh, no, no, this feels uncomfortable. Whatever's going on, this this feels uncomfortable. So let me make it go. Let me make it go away as quickly as possible. And you give those three examples of the different ways in which our brain tries to help us get away from the discomfort. But in the long run, I always say it kind of sort of works. Like in the moment, it might help you escape that discomfort. So it kind of sort of works. But in the end, it really doesn't because long term, it's not a great strategy. Or it might cause other problems, like you said, reacting and responding really quickly sometimes causes other problems, you know, above and beyond the anxiety. So our brains are doing the best that they can to keep us safe, but they don't always use the most ideal strategies. So it can be really helpful to ask yourself those questions and just raise your awareness awareness to know what kind of psychological avoidance do I tend to get into or do I tend to use? You know, we all, I think we all um, kind of have a go-to style, you know, that's just familiar. And so that's just what we tend to use. Not that we can't use all of them, but I think we tend to have a go-to one. So it's really helpful to just know that about yourself and know how your brain is likely to try and protect you. And then from there, we want to monitor and kind of recognize in those moments when it's happening, say, oh, yeah, I see what's happening here. I don't want to do that old pattern because that's not really working for me. So let me try something different. So tell us about the options that we have for doing something different. I'll jump right there. Before I just go there, I love what you said. So I'm going to echo that for your listeners because, you know, I left the piece. It's so nice be talking to a psychologist because I left the crucial piece out and here I totally picked up immediately, which is, you know, we're talking about a old mechanism. We're talking about a fight, flight, or freeze. We all have that response, but we're talking about perceived threats. So when we're talking about psychological avoidances is the perception, right? My my perception of an email from a colleague is that that's threat. And so my brain is doing its job. It's just unfortunately getting me stuck. And so to jump to your your question, so three approaches. If you tend to avoid by retreating and really you get stuck on thinking, the best approach is to shift. Now, what does it mean to shift? It means to widen your perspective, to look at what you're saying to yourself and really try to arrive at more balanced views of the world. The way I think about this is, can you talk to yourself like you're talking to your best friend? Because the reality is, if we were to talk to our best friends the way we talk to ourselves, we have no friends. We can do things to ourselves. We say things like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I, I don't look good enough. And so really in moments of distress, when your brain's spinning, pause and say, okay, wait a minute, in this scenario, what would I say to my best friend? Then in moments when you want to walk away and you want to really avoid, the opposite of avoidance is approach. Now, often when we fight, we think about approach, we think about all or nothing. You know, I'm just going to do it. Well, the brain doesn't like that and it tends to lock up. So what I 
suggest you do is what we call opposite action. So you're going to do one thing that goes against that avoidance. So in the example I gave earlier, you have a day tonight, you want to cancel. You feel so anxious that you can't physically go. Okay, the one option is you cancel. That's what the avoidance is telling you to do. Is there a way to approach, but perhaps just texting the person saying, hey, can we have a brief conversation today? I really don't feel well to be out, but I want to chat with you. I want to get to know you better. See, now you're decreasing your anxiety. You're not going all or nothing. And you're choosing to approach instead of avoiding. Opposite action. Finally. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love the idea of opposite actions because then you, you know to go against the avoidance, right? Anxiety tells you to not do it. What is one thing I can do? And I like to keep it simple because if we keep it simple, then we don't have to make it complex and then create elaborate things. Yeah. And then finally, align. So align is based on what we know to be called acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's the idea that a values-driven life is a life that is meaningful. Now, when we are anxious, we do the opposite of living by your values. What we tend to do is emotion-driven. So if you're really anxious and you're going to do anything that your emotions tell you to do, what Align suggests is that you pause and you really think about what are your core values? What are the things that really matter for you today in this season of your life? And then a trick is pull up your calendar. Just look at that last week and go, how much of my day today had those values? I care about health. You know, Kiara talks about health a lot and it's really passionate about it. Did she go to the gym? Was it there? Did we schedule it? And if we do this value assessment, we get a sense of like how much of our day-to-day is either bringing energy and making us feel good because it's aligned to our values, how much is draining us because we're doing things that we don't care about as much. And so aligning really is starting to change your life so more of your life is value-driven. And I know I get too excited and I talk too much. So let me just summarize the three. The three. Shift. To yourself as if you're best friend. Whenever you're feeling stressed, bring some kindness. Approach whatever anxiety is telling you to do, do the opposite, opposite action. Finally, align, assess your life, choose the four values, and organize your life by actually living a life that's valued. I love that so much. Um, it's sort of, you know, three broken down into three concrete and very specific strategies, but they pack a punch and they can really make a difference. And it's so funny, you know, you talked at the end about this value. And um, as you know, and as my listeners know, I talk a lot about time management and I'm really obsessed with planners and kind of mapping out your whole week. And one of the things that I always talk about um, that really speaks to this is the, the value in setting up your week in advance is that it gives you that chance to pause. You can take a look at it. And I literally say these words, are my values reflected in my week? So if my marriage is important, do I see time carved out to have a date with my husband? If my kids are super important, do I have my evening clear to spend time with them? Or am I trying to work my way through the evening? If health is my value, do I see time to exercise and cook dinner and go to the grocery store um, and, you know, take a yoga class? So we have that ability to reflect in advance as we plan it all out and then make adjustments. If you if the answer is no, I don't see these things re- reflected, then we can make those adjustments before the week even starts. So a little plug for how time management actually fits into all of this because you're sort of preemptively breaking down a cycle that could lead to anxiety and unhappiness. 
So true. And, and I love that you use the word that I think is the superpower that we all have. We can pause. We're, we're, we're thought just keep going, keep going. Pause is your superpower. If you pause and you evaluate, then you have an ability to choose an action that's different. Right? Yeah. Often we are saying we're stressed, we're burned out, we, can't, we don't know what to do, but no one takes a moment. And I do the same thing here. I like, I take my Sundays and I'm like, okay, what does the week look like? And, and I think it's important that sometimes we, we can't put everything. They would say, okay, this week values are going to go down because I'm going to prioritize this, right? But it's a thoughtful decision. It's not just a reaction. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It definitely goes up and down. Um, and some weeks, a lot of people are really surprised to hear this, hear this, that some weeks you might say, I'm not really getting a lot of tasks done on my list because I'm going like, you have a big book launch. So, you know, that might take up, I imagine that's going to take up a lot of your time. So you might downshift some of your other values temporarily because this is one that's kind of timely and, um, and also super important. So they, they go up and down. It's not that they all have to be represented all the time. They definitely can go up and down, but the word intention is just so powerful, kind of going into your day, going into your week with intention, and you will find that it helps to decrease the anxiety and distress along the way when you preemptively use some of these strategies. I fully agree. I fully agree. I, I think you're right. I think life is a sprint in a marathon. And as long as you know that the values are there in the marathon, and usually for me, when I'm sprinting, I'm sprinting on a specific value. There's something here that I have to go get it. I don't throw everything else, but they decrease in sizes. Yeah. Um, but my stress doesn't go up necessarily because it is value driven. Yeah. And very intentional and strategic. Yes. Okay. So tell us, I'm so excited to read more about this in the book. So when does it launch and where will people be able to find it and where can they learn more about your work? So it's launching on May 23rd. Um, you can find more about me and the book at www.drluana.com at social at Dr. Luana Marquez um, and all the social uh, means. There will be a book signing in Boston. There will be an event with Dan Harris in New York. It's not scheduled yet, so I can't tell you exactly, but if you come to the website, you can find out. Um, and I hope everybody joins me in really bringing the skills to as many people as possible. And do you know, so I have to give a little bit of a plug. Um, we, you know, well, you and I are obviously psychologists, but you know, when we learn skills, we have the power to teach them to our own kids. And so it's sort of like a two for the price of one. It's a, a little plug for why it's so important for us to work on our own skills, because it will, it will bleed into the people around us. And we have that ability to just kind of naturally teach it to our kids and teach it to our family and they benefit as well. A well-regulated adult means a well-regulated child. I think that's so important. Yeah. Like I have a five-year-old and we're driving to the studio today. It's school vacation. And so he, my husband took, David, my husband took me and he's like, are you teaching people about the brain? I was like, well, what do you know about the brain? He says, there's two parts, a rational part and an emotional part. And right now I'm in the rational part. I'm like, you're right. That is right. You've been listening. That's a smart five-year-old. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it so right. much. It's, I share it to your point. I think you're right. That sharing target teaching the skills for our kids is so important. Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Alana, for being here today. This was so much fun to reunite after all these years. And I'll put all the information in the show notes. I know sometimes it's hard to catch these links uh, live in the podcast. So look in the show notes, the websites and all those links will be there. And we will look forward to hearing more about your work. It's super, super important. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. And thank you so much for being here today. 
Well, thank you, Kira. I have to say, you know, as, as, as I said in the beginning, you were my first supervisor at Mass General and I got here and you were so kind to me and ever since have been so kind. So I want to just have a moment of gratitude and thank you for like mentoring me, supporting me at every stage, including this one. Um, your listeners, I'm sure know this, but Kara is just, just a gem. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is so kind. I still remember, I can still picture sitting in supervision with you, even though it was so long ago. So thank you so much for those kind words. And thank you everyone for listening today. And I'll be back again next week with another episode. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.